Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the mobile university for entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, today's guest is Verlaine Diane Scooby-Doo. Super-they-do, yeah, super-they-do. Uh, and she is doing awesome things in the space, founded this organization, doing stuff with African Union for Women. And I'm excited to have her on because not only as an individual, she's doing great work, but I will always love having our brothers and sisters from the continent on the show. And I'm hoping one day to have at least one from every country on the continent uh, because I think it is important uh, for us to have those uh, relationships, those partnerships, those collaborations, and where, you know, we actually build a world that is uh, for black by black. That's how I do. And I make no distinction between us, no matter where you are uh, in this country, uh, in this world, we're black. And guess what? The folks who don't like black folk don't really care if you're from Nigeria or Compton. They don't see a difference. So I don't know why we should. So for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Spotify, will you please introduce yourself, Erlene? Thank you so much, Dr. Wallen. Malikum wassalam for, and thank you for, for inviting me today and, you know, for, for creating this space also for us to discuss as uh, not only, you know, as people from different continents, but as you said, as black people and and sharing a bit on what we're doing, you know, for our communities, maybe here in the U.S. or in Africa. So my name is Berlin Diane Subordu, and as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a humanist, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, uh, sister to, to, of course, my siblings, but sisters to brothers and, and sisters who, uh, you know, who are in this, in this space of, you know, co-creation and trying to, to really build a positive world, you know, in a, in a very disturbing uh, time, if I make sense. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. Uh, what did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And what attracted you to the work you're doing? Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Will. Well, you know, I have to say, I, I'd love to have a quick answer and, and say, oh, I, I dreamed of being a doctor or I dreamed of being a lawyer or <laughs> I thought I'd be a soccer player. I think I did actually, perhaps when I was eight year old, you know, playing with my brothers and uh, always catching the balls and never making it to, to the end, but always trying. Um, no, you know, I, as I said, I wish I could say that I wanted to be a doctor or I wanted to be a lawyer and that would be lying. The reality is I had no idea what I wanted to be. Uh, it took me a lot of time to uh, to figure out uh, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be in this world. And I think it comes, you know, as, as black people, and I think this is a common denominator we have, uh, regardless of where we are, uh, very often we don't have a lot of role models, you know, who could show us this is what you can do with your life and this is an option or this is another option. The only options that you see and that you're fed into mainstream um, you know, media or other other tools is that you either, you know, by the time as a young black woman, as a young black African woman, by the time I would have reached 18, I would have probably already had, you know, uh, children, not finished my education and 
not been able to, to even dream of doing what I'm doing now. And I remember when I was 15, talking to my dad, actually, you know, crying, uh, telling him, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I, I don't see where I'm going to go, you know, time to, to, to pursue my education. And my dad said, well, you know, first of all, look at yourself. You, you should say thank you, mom, and thank you, dad, because some of your cousins already have children at your age, and, and that's not your case. And, you know, you, you have options, and you should, you know, look into education, etc." So really looking and then thanking my parents, although they could not provide me with the bigger picture of what was possible, they still planted the seed within myself that anything that, you know, I would dreamed of being or put my mind of becoming would be possible. So, you know, my parents really helping me, uh, steering along the way to be able to get to that space. Uh, but it took effort, you know, it took effort looking at the different people around us and most of the, the, the models that, I was looking at did not look like me they did not mm -hmm. sound like me so very difficult to to find options and then when you get to certain doors uh started of course education going to universities and you're being told no the the door is closed and you have no idea where to go difficult to to define and understand where you want to go and it really took i have to say of course my parents but also mentors and external role models uh, for me to understand what I, I could be and who I could, you know, who I could become in, in this world and as a citizen of the world uh, in which I, I had the aspiration to contribute like uh, all of my sisters and brothers. And I have to say, it's a small thing. I was not even in America, but seeing Barack Obama 2008, <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> that had a big impact for me. You know, I thought, oh my God, who's that black man saying, yes, we can, becoming president of the, you know, one, the, the, the biggest country in the world. And I thought, if he can, then I can. And I really tried my best to, 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 to work hard and, and, you know, apply to, to universities and, and then pursue. And if I, if I can give an advice to young people who are probably, I mean, I was maybe 20, 21 and had no idea what I would do, what were the options. My only options and that someone actually told me was, oh, you should go and work at McDonald's. It would have been a waste. Mm -hmm. And there's so many young people, young women, black, colored, who today, you know, the only options that they envision are these options because the external world are telling them this is who you are and this is the only thing that you're going to do, be in the service uh, industry and that's it. So realizing that I had options really took a while, it took a lot of work and having also external people believing in me, believing that, okay, well, then you can do that, you can perhaps join public institutions you can lead on that project you can you know it, it it's both internal and external but it take it took uh it took a lot of time and it took uh, a journey uh, from my parents planting the seed that it's possible to seeing barack obama becoming president to then of course you know looking at what other options were, were possible so what have you learned about living a life of purpose that has surprised you and what was your journey like getting to where you are now <laughs> the life of purpose life of purpose i think purpose comes from faith you know i mm. think purpose comes from comes from god i i from as, as far as i can remember as long i think my first memory is probably my memory of knowing that i was a child of god you know i don't know i i I, I couldn't express it, couldn't put it into words like I'm able to now, but must have been four or five, you know, my, from the earliest memory that I have. And 
praying with my parents and just knowing that God was there, you know, and I think once you have that in, in your heart uh, and in your mind, in your spirit, it drives uh, the life and efforts that you're going to put out there. You know, sometimes you may get lost, the path is never a straight one, but you always come back to that. And I think living a life of purpose, you know, um, has really taught me that it can be difficult. You know, it can be difficult. I think this was what I've realized, as I mentioned, you know, when you don't know, when you don't have a map, you're thrown out there in a world that is not even created for you to be there. And you have no map, you're lost in the middle of that world, but you have faith. And I think this faith drives the purpose. You know, for instance, my purpose, what I consider to be my purpose, is to redefine the world around me, you know, because I've suffered from having walls erected all around me from you know the moment I could even think about it and making sure that as I steer and, and go and move forward through life that I'm able to remove as many walls as possible not because you know I want to remove the walls for myself of course it's important but because I understand that even if me removing one wall can help one other person not having to to, to, to suffer you know because it's, it's, it's a form of suffering then it's okay then you know i've achieved what i wanted to do even if it's one person so that's really where i'm coming from and i think you know understanding that there are going to be challenges uh in living this life of purpose but understanding that purpose comes from from faith so you are the founder of zara's dream what is the story and i've been watching your youtube videos uh by the way uh what is the story behind you creating the organization and what are the four pillars the organization is built upon? Thank you so much. Well, Zara's dream is really, as I said, thank you. And thank you so much, my brother, for, for even sharing that you watch the YouTube videos. It makes me happy to know that, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they've reached someone. Um, no, I think Zara's dream is really a universal dream. You know, it's a, it's a shared dream that, that we have as young women it's not only my dream to you know to <clears throat> to because zarism is built on several values including love generosity purpose as you mentioned but also on core four pillars you know opportunity uh, as i said uh, it took me a lot of time to understand the power within myself and that i did not have to be a sandwich seller at mcdonald's that i could be you know an international civil servant or anything else uh, so opportunity making sure that we allow young women uh, where whoever they are and wherever they are but i have a strong focus on young women rising from poverty and vulnerability you know very difficult backgrounds making you know make providing all the tools so they can understand that opportunities are out there that they can be the next bill gates there's no reason why a young woman in kenya cannot be the next bill gates there's no reason why a young woman uh, from Harlem or the Bronx uh, cannot be, you know, the next uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, you know. So, and actually we need to make sure that we have more women out there, but really creating the space of opportunity. Uh, then, of course, the role model, I spoke about it, the importance of having someone who can show you that, yeah, it's possible to do it. Uh, it's not going to be easy. You're going to get maybe a lot of slaps, uh, a lot of bad winds that you have to walk against. Uh, but you know the best uh, boats on the river usually go against uh, against the wind. So uh, building that resilience 
we have what we call the BU Powerfully Weekly Talks, on which we bring experts in various fields, you know, in international relations, so young women, uh, wherever they are, and particularly in Africa, can understand that, oh, there's this woman who looks like me, who speaks like me, who's doing that, so I can do that too, you know. She can show me the way, she can give me some of the tools, and I can be that person, or even, you know, a better version of myself through the same path. Um, we had one of the view powerfully talked, which I think was one of the most impactful ones, uh, you know, beyond the ones we have on, on trauma healing, etc. But in terms of defining your life, which was on private equity as black people and particularly mm -hmm. women, we don't talk about private equity and, and wealth. You know, you're told to live from paycheck to paycheck and the struggle and the surviving and, and trying to thrive. But realizing that there's a whole world out there uh, in which you can build wealth. And it's not nasty to say that. It's even important. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader and um, avid history reader. I, I read a lot about, you know, for instance, the reconstruction process uh, in the 19th century in the US and how African-Americans fought to not only have political power, but economic power. Economic power is key, you know, so understanding that financial independence is part of your journey is also very important. Uh, and the third pillar is, of course, and the third, the fourth pillar is the power jacket. You know, I wanted to, to make sure that young women who connect have access to professional clothes, you know, because our stream is really focused on personal and professional development. Mm -hmm. And straight in my own journey, it was very difficult, you know, and I remember people saying, oh, what are your designer clothes, etc." I'm like, Desire to cross. I can't even get myself a Zara's pair of pants. How am I going to buy a, a pair of designer clothes? I don't have the money to buy that. So remembering my own struggle to even get, for instance, a suit to go for an interview or anything, I, I wanted to make sure that one of the pillars was this, you know, inter-solidarity among women. I have uh, jackets and pants I'm not wearing that are brand new that could help another young woman who needs it to go for an interview and perhaps her first job, you know, so building on this solidarity and making sure that we understand that we're all part of a big picture and that, you know, we have in invisible links and that, mm -hmm. you know, solidarity is key. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And, and the whole idea of economic power, I love that. I love that. I, I preach that here and definitely abroad. And I will tell those African countries, kick France out and don't give them another dime. Uh, they've gotten enough money throughout the centuries. They don't need any more uh, <laughs> because it is just, that's mind boggling to me. Uh, but yeah, we, we need to control the economics in our community uh, because that is that will allow us to create those opportunities for ourselves and to build those institutions for ourselves that will be best for us. You know, when I hear of people in Africa having to pay to go to school, right? Where in the U.S., public education is, it's kind of free. Uh, we do pay taxes, so they take money out of our checks. But, you know, education can be the great equalizer here, in which one of the ways in which Black people here have been able to rise, up, rise above previous circumstances by being able to get that education. And so, you know, us being able to control those dollars to reinvest in our communities, I think, is really key. Yeah, absolutely. No, financially, financial independence and economic empowerment is, is the 
answer. It's the key. You know, political participation is as equally important, you know, to redefine policies and make sure that, you know, we have in place policies that not only are good for everyone, but that they serve everyone, you know, and not just a small portion of people. But economic empowerment, as you said, allows us as people to create the opportunities that are necessary. You know, uh, there's one thing that Oprah said that I really loved. I mean, I don't know if Oprah is listening. <laughs> she doesn't know that she's my mentor, but she's my one of my biggest mentors. <laughs> I know it. She doesn't know it, but I hope that one day she will. But my point is, she said something that I found really very powerful. She said, only when I'm full can I give, you know, because also in, in our culture as Africans and African-Americans, I see that in my sisters who are African-Americans, it's, it's very same culture is, it's very difficult for us to be full because, you know, we live in a culture where we always give and it's very important. Giving is one of the, one of the core pillar of, you know, community building and society. But it's very important to make sure that as you give, you build yourself up too, because only when you're full can you be able to help someone else. If you are with two broken legs, how can you help someone else to walk? To be able to help that person walk, you have to be able to walk and even run. If there's an issue, you'll be able to grab the person and then you run together. So I think it's very important to understand that when we're strong economically, politically, then can we you know, rise up? I think those are go hand in hand and they should not be uh, separated one from another. Mm. Ooh, I love that. Okay, oh. people. Okay, she's bringing it to us today. So how can people truly honor themselves and actually begin the process of transforming their lives beyond sort of resolutions and platitudes, you know, slogans, but they really truly take ownership of who they are and what they are. Yeah, no, I think it's really, we, we have to understand that we're more than enough. You know, we, the world in which we live, particularly now where we have access to so many things, you know, from the, just your cell phone, you can create, you can, you can, from your cell phone, you can literally have access to anything that would fulfill your, uh, your desires. In other, you can, oh, I want a better car, I want a big house, I want to buy new clothes, I want all those stuff that you think might bring you happiness and that will, de you know, define you. But the things do not define you. And you can see that some of the happiest people on this earth actually don't have much because in the end, you know, honoring yourself starts inside, you know. I'm thinking about, you know, when we have New Year's Eve and we're all like, oh, New Year's Eve resolutions and this year I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to start doing that. The reason why we don't, you know, uh, stick to it, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's not easy understanding that I'm enough to myself. I don't need mm. to buy a new car or a new house to, to, to fill myself up. It really, once you're able to tap into that power that sits in your belly, I think it's in the, I mean, for me, it's like in my belly, I feel it. Once you're able to understand that you are more than enough, and that you can honor yourself by being and in your doing, you know, then you can, of course, uh, uh, move forward. But also, as I said, um, you know, not paying too much attention to externalities. You know, we, we live in a consumerism world and, you know, we're told to, to, to accumulate and get more and get more to do more and get more to be more. And, and then you realize that in the end, it's, it's all within. You don't need anything else to, to be. You need 
you know, a good heart, a good mind, uh, I would say faith. And then if you don't believe in God, find, you know, your own thing, yoga, meditation. Um, but really tapping into our inner power. And then, of course, once you, you're there and you have a fixed objective of this is what I want to do, regardless of the challenges, no matter how hard or difficult, you'll be able to, to overcome and, you know, um, build on your resolutions. So they're not just uh, words on papers on January 1st and by the 15th, leave alone the, the 31st, by the 15th, it's, it's gone. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. So if or when you get off track, is there a written word or something that you, a practice that you have found to be helpful to get you back? Yeah, actually, you know, I don't know if you remember the 1994 Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. We had the, the VHS, I think they say in, in English. We had the VHS. I would play reward, you know, rewind, go back to the scene. And there was this very famous scene that I, uh, to me, I think this is the sentence that I tell myself when I get off track. It's when Simba is lost, you know, he's, uh, he had to, to run away because uh, his uncle's car had taken over, you know, they don't want him anymore in the kingdom, wanting to be the king. And, and then Simba is lost in the middle of the jungle, has these two great friends. Again, the importance of solidarity, of brotherhood, of sisterhood, of sticking together. So Simba would have not survived alone in the, in the jungle as a, you know, uh, crown prince of, uh, of the jungle. Um, but this scene when he's uh, alone and gets to the river and he's, he's lost, he said, I don't know where to go anymore. And he looks deep in the water and there appears the face of Mufasa. First, it took him a lot of time to, to see it. He just sees his own reflection of loss, you know, so you really have to go deep inside. And then he sees his father, his father's face, Mufasa, who comes and who says, remember who you are you know and first of course he chastises him he says oh you forgot me and Simba saying no I I did not and he says yes you forgot me because you forgot who you are so remember who you are so that's that's what drives me every time you know sometimes it's easy to get lost particularly when you come from very far you know I come from um, I don't even want to say uh, you know humble beginnings I, I come from a very difficult background and when you reach a certain point, you might think, okay, I made it and I'm happy and etc. and halas, it's over. And it's not, you know, you, you have to always remember. And I'm always thinking about that moment, you know, when Mufasa said, remember who you are, you know, and you are more than what you've become, you know, and, and continuing the journey of consciousness and of building yourself up. Yeah. Wow. So what does it mean for you to live or dwell in, in one's power? And how has Africa informed your sense of wonder and possibility? Hmm. You know, there's this famous quote from uh, Kwame Nkrumah, which is, uh, you know, I'm not African because I was born in Africa, but Africa was born in us, you know, in me and you. And I think, you know, it applies to you, to our brothers and sisters who are here on the continent. I think we all share this piece of power that is Africa within ourselves. And that's something that my father and, you know, I, I keep citing my parents, but they really planted, as I said, the seed that made the tree that is in me. My father always told myself and my siblings that, you know, Africa was part of us. And, you know, we would have what, we, what he called, actually, the Baobab talk. Actually, one of the Zara's dream, uh, BU Powerfully talk that I hosted was on 
uh, under the baobab together because that's you know the teachings i receive to sit together and you know to discuss and and my father never excluded me i come from a family of you know five brothers and never said oh today it's only the boys you go there no i always had to sit actually at the table and we all you know discussed and shared under the baobab so i think you know looking at that um this african um you know core identity which was inscribed in me has allowed me to you know steer and move into a very unequal and unfair world you know and I think this is uh, this is one of the most powerful gifts that not only my parents but that Africa has given me. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. For those who, and I want to throw this out there, for those who are listening to this podcast and you know they've never been to Africa and they don't know anything beyond the sort of the stereotypes they see in the media. Uh, tell them what makes Africa so special. Africa. Ah, the, the list is long. <laughs> the list is long, but I think for me personally, and I hope that our brothers and sisters who will, you know, go home, uh, I hope one day and have the ability to, to dwell into, 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 into what Africa is uh, from, from her people, uh, from the culture, uh, from the, you know, everything that makes her who she is. Um, I think for, for me, what, uh, what, gives, uh, what would give uh, people uh, a, a strong sense of coming to Africa is uh, this inherent, I, I cannot even put it to word power every time I go home. And when I say home is anywhere, I've traveled to a lot of countries from East Africa to West Africa to Southern Africa to North Africa. It did not matter where I was in Africa. Every time the plane would land and I would, you know, the doors open, the air, I would feel that I'm home. And wow. my heart would just be, you know, settling down. And once my feet touch the ground, I, I know this is home. So every time I, I meet a brothers or sisters from the country I've already been, where my feet have touched the soil and the ground, I always say my feet have touched the ground, so I'm your sister. You know? So there's no separation or difference. So I think this is really this unity. Of, uh, of being. I don't want to give the, the false sense that Africa is just one country, which is not, you know, we all have, and as I said, my parents are from Congo and Mauritius, very different. But still, when you come, there's a sense of belonging, you know, that uh, I've never felt anywhere else but going home on the continent. Wow. Wow, man. So, Dr. Will, you need to come home. <laughs> Inshallah, I will. I, I, yes. I, I, I've i been wanting to go. Um, it, you know, it's for me, of course, I, I see the media and I have a subscription to Demand, like Demand Africa, you know, so mm. I get to watch uh, movies and TV shows and, you know, it, for, for me just to see sort of what is being created yeah. Um, you know, I, I want to go and see and experience myself. Like I'm from Mississippi, so I oh, only wow. knew two Africans. Okay. Growing cool. up, that's it. Oh, only cool. two. Who were they? This is interesting. Were they uh, students? The, yes. Well, we were in high school together. Uh, okay. Their, their their parents were from Nigeria, mm. and you know we went to high school together. 
and that that was that was it. It's only Africans, you know, that I knew because this is you know again this is Mississippi. You know, I, maybe more Africans have moved in since then, but it wasn't the location that Africans moved to. Which yeah. once I moved to Boston, uh, and I felt that cold, uh, it kind of hit me like. Okay, why weren't Africans? Why were Africans moving to New York and Boston, and they weren't moving to Mississippi, where the weather <laughs> would be more comfortable to yeah. them? Because when I got to Boston, I was like, "Oh my goodness, what is up with this yeah, cold? The right? cold, <laughs> the cold got me." Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, we, I just didn't. I didn't see them. I didn't grow up with them, yeah. and it was just a different sort of. You know, there was a disconnect. And, you know, as I got older and I started to read more and became sort of more enamored, you know, by who I am and and, and Black folk and started to kind of to look beyond, I was like, you know, we're one, you know, and I don't see a difference, even though I know some people try to to, to, to do like, to do yeah. that but yeah. even the the author uh and i know i'm probably gonna mess up her name mm. again because i got my mississippi tongue mm. uh, but uh uh chimamanda yes you know she said that when she had an experience that sort of changed her life because mm. she was walking down the street and uh, a black man from america was like what up sister and she was like sister I'm not your sister. Because to her, they weren't the same people. And once she started to learn the history uh, of the Atlantic slave trade, really, in terms of the experiences that we've had in America and and Jim Crow and the Civil Rights Movement, she's had that she understood and had a greater appreciation of uh, the family ties between us. And so I think, well, I know that is what is missing between us over here mm. and us over there is that mm. the, the family ties have been broken and we need to rebuild them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think we need to, we need to appreciate, we need to really appreciate the sacrifice, you know, that our ancestors, and I want, I'm very intentional when I say our ancestors, you know, who were here, you know, in, in, in this country. And now you say that you're from Mississippi, it hits even harder, you know, when we know the story of, um, of uh, black people in Mississippi and in the South, you know, and as I said, I'm a student of history, so I, I devour, I eat all the books I can about, you know, the conditions of, uh, of African Americans in this country. And, you know, we need to honor the struggle that they've been through, you know, and to still have kept the dignity, the human dignity and the strength and the resilience despite a system that, you know, tried to and did not succeed. The proof is today we we have the the descendant of of African-Americans who who are, you know, still going strong and, and powerful, you know, advocating and and raising their voices, for instance, the Black Lives Matter movement for the condition of African-Americans, uh, not only in this country, but uh, and Africans in the world. 
I, I think, as you said, you know, we need to we need to honor their their struggle and and their story because this is a shared story. You know, I mentioned my father is from Congo. There were millions of, of slaves taken. I'm sure that I have cousins uh, somewhere in uh, in this country, and I and I want to appreciate that because I, as we said earlier at the very beginning, understanding that we have invisible links linking us, you know, throughout not only the world but also history. And once we can understand that, we can build back better. You know, me differentiating myself from you or from other brothers and sisters on this in this country. I live here. I live in New York. So I'm even dif difficult for me to say, you know, African-Americans as an externality because of myself becoming part of, of you know, the, the African population in this country. So, you know, appreciating this link and, and looking at how uh, can we, you know, build together you know i think it's very important honoring the, the spirit and, and the lives of those who, who who were here who fought who you know gave it all and kept hoping you know despite a system that just did not allow them to do so but also those who who did not make it you know in, in between africa and the atlantic i think it's very important to, to think about that as well it is when i when i saw those statues in the ocean, I was like, Whoo. Mm, yeah. I was like, wow. I was like, whoever did that, I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how do you avoid the trap of <clears throat> avoiding sort of looking for your approval in other people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because Ah, you know, when you get to a place of self-love, and I am really stressing that you, you're not looking for other people's approval. It's what you said at the beginning, you know, when we're discussing. I wake up, I'm not trying to please anyone out there. Mm -hmm. All I want to make sure is that I'm doing the job, that I'm, you know, doing the conscious work on myself. And that, you know, I reach out to help those that, you know, those who need my help or support in any form or shape that, you know, I can take. But I'm seeking no one's approval to be. That I even have a, wow. something, uh, a note like that. I'm seeking really no one's approval to be. Uh, and I've come, it, you know, it took me a lot of time to get to that, uh, to that place of, uh, of self-love. Uh, but I believe that self-love is also faith. Uh, because I believe in, in, in God that, you know, that loves me, that has put me to be who I am. And it's not for anyone on this planet to try to reshape or to try to change or to remold or to, to, to do anything with who I am and what I am. And it took a lot of work and effort, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, very difficult to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Uh, once I understood that and looked back into that feeling of knowing where I belong, I, it's very simple. I, you know, I, I came to understand and, and recognize the signs. Sometimes the very small signs that, you know, in my journey, uh, both personal and professional, I've had people telling me, oh, you should, be, you should be more like that, you shouldn't be like that, and you should do that and not do that. If it's constructive, uh, support, argument, I'm all open. Nobody's perfect. We're on a growth journey and I take it. 
to grow and be the best version of myself, not only for me, but for others, for the people that I love, for the work that I'm doing, etc. But when it's a, when it's a, when it's a deconstructive element that tries to bring the seeds of doubts and fear and anything that is negative and darkness within my heart, I don't take it, you know, this type of seeking other people's approval. So recognizing early on the, you know, the, the signs, what it looks like, understanding it and not internalizing it. You know, it's like water. It, you know, the rain of the water falls on you and then just drops down and you move forward. I hear you. Jay-Z said, off the shoulder. Yeah, there you go. Dust your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> you dust your shoulder off. You dust it. All the dust, you shake it off. I agree. That's all right. That's all right. I, I've had some fun. Thanks. We're over? No, no. <laughs> well, we have one more question. Um, I'm joking, you see. <laughs> but but it's been it's been a good conversation. That no, was a great conversation. Great conversation. So before we go, what is your call to action for those folks who are they're looking to take the next step in their lives or, or their career, but they they aren't moving because they're overthinking everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I think when you get to that point you need to sit down and be still. Because what happens is sometimes when, you know, you want to do things and you have aspirations, you get a thousand, you know, you get a gazillion things happening in your brain. And so you're like, okay, left, right, right, left, and starts and start to actually move before you even understand what you're supposed to be doing. So I think the greatest advice that I could give now in that context is be still, you know, sit down for a second, take a piece of paper and write down whatever you, you know, you aspire to do, some of the objectives, uh, what can be attained, how, what is the time frame, write it down, you know, and, and be still. And, you know, leave that paper, even for a week, a month, if you need to, you don't have to come back to it immediately. Let, you know, let the seed of what that is grow, you know, get into the soil and then take root and then, and then come out, you know. So I think it's really stay still understand, try to understand and capture what you want to do. And once you have that down, commit, you know, we need to commit ourselves. And again, commitment is one of the greatest way to honor yourself, a commitment mm. to you, a commitment to your dream, a commitment to whatever objective you have, uh, given that it's, you know, positive uh, objective for yourself, you know, to, you know, I don't want, you know, you don't want to go around and destroy people uh, as long as it's something that is a state of positivity, commit to that and make sure that, you know, you hold yourself accountable, share your dream with not necessarily everyone. Some people will try to shoot your dreams down, but, you know, with people of confidence, you know, people that you, you trust and, you know, saying, this is what I want to do and make sure that those people check on you. I have some of my sisters, I have reminders of my phone. And I say, you know, a week from now, text her. I say, oh, did you do that? Did you write down? Because, you know, you have to come from a place of compassion. So creating this circle around yourself, having, you know, being still, writing it down, having a circle of trust, and then, you know, understanding that you're not your circumstances. That anything that is around you is for the moment, you know, and mm. this shall pass. You know, I think those are really some of the, some of the advice that, uh, if I may give, uh, those would be. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Verlaine, for coming on the show. Thank you, Dr. Well, that was really great. I hope we get the occasion to discuss more on, you know, African-Americans and African 
from the continents partnership and brotherhood sisterhood but like that that's really great awesome awesome just let me know when now people you know how i do this this podcast episode will be on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, radio simplecast and stitcher i need you to subscribe and follow and share i like the stars but if you will give me a rating because not only am I trying to be found, but I am trying to get Oprah on the show. Oh, and I want her to know, oh, hey, oh, 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 That's how oh. we do it. Oh, and oh, I, oh. Hey, 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 hey. You don't have to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get her. I'm trying to get her. Hey, we do this. I'm trying to get her on. Uh, <laughs> so I want her to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, Beautiful. I'd like to thank my guest, Verlaine, Verlaine Diane Subedu. For coming on and dropping so many gems. And again, I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the mobile university for entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you. EDU, peace. <laughs>